Get ready to hear the truth about America on a show that's not immune to the facts with your host, Dan Bongino. All right, welcome to the Dan Bongino Show. Producer Joe, how are you today? It's Monday and ready to go. Yes. Yes. Yeah, stacked uh, news weekend as always. Let me just start off right here. President Trump, please, please, with respect and a sense of humility understanding my role in this debate, I'm humbly imploring you, do not back away for one moment about this inner city debate, Uh. about the liberal destruction of the formerly great city of Baltimore and the rest of these American inner cities uh, cities with our citizens driven into a, a safety, an economic jobs and education mess by the liberal forest fire that has burned these places to the ground. Do not back away for a second. This is a long overdue debate. We're going to start with that today. Don't go anywhere because this is going to be, and believe me, there is nobody more enmeshed in this than Joe and I. Joe was on talk radio in Maryland, in Baltimore County, right outside the city Mm -hmm. for decades. Decades, baby. I ran there in Maryland twice I could sit and put photos of me in Lexington Market at Artscape on Biddle, shaking hands with people, walking the streets of Baltimore City. I don't need to bore you with that nonsense. Nobody understands what happened in Baltimore better than me. We'll get to all of that in a second. Stay tuned. Today's show brought to you by our buddies at Bowling Branch. Bowling Branch makes the finest sheets out there, folks. Everything Bowling Branch makes from bedding to blankets is made from pure 100% organic cotton, which means they start out super soft and get softer over time. These are great sheets. Can't recommend them enough. Everyone who tries Bowling Branch sheets loves them. That's why they have thousands of five-star reviews. Forbes, Wall Street Journal, and Fast Company are all talking about Bowl, B-O-L-L, and Branch. Even three U.S. presidents sleep on Bowling Branch sheets. Shipping's free. You can try them for 30 nights. If you don't love them, send them back for a refund. We have them. They're like a fine wine, folks. The more you sleep on them, the more comfortable they get. I know that sounds counterintuitive. It's not. You will love these. There's no risk and no reason not to give them a try. Get started now. Right now, my listeners get $50 off. That's a nice discount. Your first set of sheets at bowlnbranch.com. That's B-O-L-L-N branch, like a tree branch, dot com. Use promo code Bongino for $50 off. Bowlnbranch.com. Promo code Bongino. Check them out today. The finest sheets out there. All right, Joe, let's go. Yep. Nice. Yeah. Now, This is a topic that really pulls at my heart and has for a very long time. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm not going to get into these hyperbolic, nonsensical stories about, you know, they always ask, why'd you run for office? And, you know, nine out of 10 people running, sadly, have to make up a story. I ran for office because I want to make the world better. No, you don't. You want to get paid and be a lobbyist later on. (laughs) Uh, I have very little faith in politicians. I can tell you, take it or leave it. One of the reasons I left the job I had loved in the Secret Service to run in an unwinnable race in Maryland for the United States Senate back in 2012 was because I was a city kid in New York. And I felt like there were legitimately two Americas to steal a line from decrepit presidential candidate John Edwards. You say, yeah. Why were you stealing a, a line from him? Because he was a liberal and he was right. There are two Americas. He was just wrong about the reason. It was because of people like John Edwards. Folks, that got under my skin. You know, I had escaped that. I'm not, I'm not going to, I don't, again, hyperbole does us no favors. I did not grow up in grinding poverty. It's not a sob story, but we did not grow up, let's say, rich or even middle class. 
You know, we grew up above a bar, above 64th Place in Myrtle Avenue. My wife and I have a similar story. Uh, you know, our parents struggled a bit. Divorced families, the like. Again, not a sob story, folks. I'm nobody's victim. Nobody. It's the hardships in my life that made me the man I am. But I was able to escape because of a very, a, a, a tangible set of principles my life was lived by and the circumstances that happened to me that could happen to anyone else too and let them out. That is not happening. Here's what happened this weekend. That is not happening in inner cities. President Trump tweeted about the decrepit conditions in Baltimore. The genesis of the story goes as follows. Um, a Baltimore a pol political... She's a Republican. Uh, her name is Kim. I, I Forgive me, I forget her last name, but she does some good work. She's been on Fox. You've seen her before. She went on Fox and Friends this weekend and was basically talking about how Elijah Cummings, who is a Democrat congressman who's in charge of Baltimore yeah. as, as the federal representative, yeah. Joe knows well, yeah. Elijah Cummings has been filleting Donald Trump about the border and everything else. Well, this woman, Kim, and forgive me again, I'm forgetting her last name and at the worst time, she went on Fox and Friends this weekend and basically tore into Cummings saying, hey, listen, you're worried about the conditions at the border, which you're doing nothing to solve. Why don't you try to fix Baltimore? Amen. You Thank go. you. President Trump must have heard it. He then tweeted out, Elijah Cummings, his district is one of the worst in America. It's rat infested and it's falling apart. He's right. Yep. He is right. Baltimore has been collapsing, ladies and gentlemen, for a long time. Joe, what was the predictable response to Donald Trump's tweet about the dilapidated conditions of one of America's oh. formerly great cities in Baltimore? Oh. You're a racist because yes. they don't have anything else. You are a I, racist. Ironically, huh. again, hat tip to the memory of the great Tom Marr, who was a talk show host at the station Joe used to work at. My buddy. That was Tom Marr's line because Maryland politicians, Joe Democrats, have been doing this to Tom Marr and people at Joe's old radio station yes. when they comment about the dilapidated conditions of Baltimore mm -hmm. for decades. Anytime you talked about it, Joe, what would happen? The libs would call in and say, you're a racist. And Tom yeah. made a joke out of yes, it. Yes, he did. It became a running joke because it was the criticism to everything. Let's not talk about Baltimore City falling apart. Now, folks, I was on Fox and Friends this morning. The video of the appearance will be up in the... I'm not going to play it on the show. You got me here. You don't need to see me talking about it again. But if you're interested, the video of my appearance, which is going nuclear this morning, will be up at the show notes today at Bongino.com. There's a link to it. Please check it out because I lost my today because I am tired of this. Mm. Folks... Liberals have burned these places to the ground, liberal politicians. Joe, when was the last time a Republican city council member was elected in Baltimore? You have, you remember yeah, when that was? Uh, way before my time, 1942. 1942, no, not 1982. No, 1942. So, one, nine, four, two. I, I, 1942 was the last time yeah. a Republican, anyone even with a remote adherence to conservative ideology, if that, had any presence on the Baltimore City Council at all. Right. 1942. Ladies and gentlemen, what has happened to Baltimore since the 40s and 50s? Oh. 
Well, conveniently, because some lunatic with like 10 followers on Twitter, uh, you may say, well, why'd you respond back to him this week? And I responded back to him because I'm not going to accept, I don't care if you have one follower. What I'm not going to accept is some guy responded, well, Dan Bongino is defending Trump on this. He just started talking about Baltimore recently. Oh, oh, oh I did. Huh. I did. Really? Really? Really now? Okay, uh, that's the gold platinum award medal winner for the dumbest tweet of the month, of possibly the last 10,000 years before Twitter even existed. Here's an op-ed I wrote in Red State a long time ago running for office about Baltimore and one of the reasons I had run for office in the U.S. Senate. Folks, Baltimore's falling apart. It's collapsing. I highlighted this seven years ago. Baltimore is collapsing. Baltimore's economy is collapsing. Their education system is collapsing. You know, one of the things that irks me and really, really gets under my skin. Folks, if your response to everything is going to be you're a racist for bringing up the poor conditions of our American citizens who live in American cities, it's over, ladies and gentlemen. It's over. There's Mm. nothing to fix. Now, before I get to who destroyed Baltimore and just how bad the living conditions are in the city. Oh, I want to play some video, Joe. All right. Clearly a racist here by the Democrat standards, not mine. This is some other person, let's say, Mm -hmm. talking about the conditions in Baltimore caught on a mic talking about how you can smell the dead animals and you can smell the rats. I'll tell you who this person was afterwards, because again, by Democrat logic, addressing the poor conditions like Trump did in Baltimore and our inner cities is clearly racism. Here is former Mayor Catherine Pugh commenting on those exact conditions. About a year ago, city leaders identified some of the city's most violent neighborhoods. What the hell? We should just take all this down. To target. Ooh, you can smell the rats. Under Baltimore's Violence Reduction Initiative. Ooh, Jesus. Just last week, we went with Mayor Pugh as she toured an East Baltimore neighborhood. This is a new one. I've been out here 54 years. This is a new one. Baltimore's Violence Reduction Initiative is about taking steps to rid communities of the cornerstones that contribute to crime. Oh, my God. You can smell the dead animals. Blocks of dilapidated buildings help to hide the addiction that's crippled this community. Yeah, you didn't know it was. Joe, there? what happened to Mayor Pugh? But what happened to Mayor Pugh? You remember? I believe she got into some. She had an issue. Yes. Trouble. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. A little bit. Joe's being nice. <laughs> yeah, she got booted out of office yeah. for allegations that she had people buy her books to enrich there her while she was the mayor. There it is. Yeah. Um, it, that's in addition to, as Joe brought up to me before the show, the mayor before her, Stephanie Rawlings Blake, yep. who during the Freddie Gray riot said, "Give them room to destroy." Mm-hmm. Uh, in addition, before them, to Mayor Martin O'Malley, oh. who ran the city into the ground over two terms. Oh. This goes on and, and on. all Democrats, all liberals, by the way, folks, all of them. So is Mayor P- former Mayor Pugh, is she a racist? Huh? You hear her? You can yeah. smell the dead rats. You can smell the you can smell the dead animals. We should just rip this all down. From the right scoop. Oh. Super Mexican. Story in the show notes today. Flashback. Remember when Baltimore's mayor said she was shocked by rats and SH blank T in her city? You get it. Yeah. It rhymes with hit. 
Here's another video, Joe, of another clear racist. Oh. This dude is undoubtedly, remember, liberal standards. Okay. You dare to comment on liberals running inner cities into the ground. You dare to comment and use language that's rough like rats and shh. Man. Like Catherine Pugh said, you are definitely a racist. By the way, former mayor Catherine Pugh was black. Uh, Irrelevant to us, but very important to the identity politics left. We want to make everybody a racist. But here's a white guy, Joe, Mm. who is clearly, clearly a racist. Listen to this commentary, this racist commentary. Here's Bernie Sanders. Anyone who took the walk that we took took around this neighborhood would not think you're in a wealthy nation. You would think that you were in a third world country. But today what we're talking about is a community in which half of the people don't have jobs. We're talking about a community in which there are hundreds of buildings that are uninhabitable. We're talking about a community where kids are unable to go to schools that are decent. We're talking about a community that's been run by nothing but Democrats for God knows how long. Burn. 1942. Bernie, clearly a racist by liberals' own standards. Of course, liberals don't have any standards, folks. Here's a piece by John Fritzy. By the way, he writes for the Baltimore Sun. It's one of the few guys who ever treated me fairly during my, you know, 15 years in Maryland huh. and five years in Maryland politics, running for office. Bernie Sanders likes likens West Baltimore to a quote third world country. John Fritzy, the Baltimore Sun. Is Fritzy a racist for writing about it? Is Sanders a racist for saying it? Of course not. Of course not. They're just telling you the truth. Mm. Liberals have run these cities into the ground. Let's go on, Joe. In case you think I'm making any of this up, okay? More? Again, a piece I wrote for Red State a long time ago. Here is a screenshot from the piece I wrote, I believe, back in 2012. In 1950, ladies and gentlemen, in 1950, Baltimore, get a load of this. Here's a quote. This is, by the way, from an op. I was quoting an op-ed piece by Steve Henke and Stephen uh, Walters in the Wall Street Journal. Mm-hmm. In 1950, Baltimore's median income, Joe, was 7% above the national average. Above. It was one of our wealthiest cities. Democrats have been in charge since then. Today, it is now 22% below the national average in median income. Who's been in charge the entire time? The Democrats and the liberals with their high tax, big government, anti-family, government, uh, basically government becoming a behemoth in people's lives, Mm. taking the locus of control away from black, minority, and white inner city families, taking the locus of control of the family and putting it in the government. You have decimated these families and the economy, which are high tax social welfare programs. You've destroyed them. There's nothing wrong with the people of Baltimore. There's something wrong with you, the liberals. Yeah. As Jason Riley wrote in his book a long time ago in the Wall Street Journal. Again, who happens to be black, which is only important to liberals, not to us. He wrote, please stop helping. Stop helping. You are not helping. So you've driven the economy, number one, of Baltimore into the ground. 7% above in the 1950s, the national average, their median income. Now Mm -hmm. 22% below. You have exclusively been in charge. Oh, that must be Donald Trump's fault. Yeah, so let me get this straight. Since 1942, you've been running this city with a monopoly. Liberals. 
You've run it into the ground. But in the last two years, Joe, it's Donald Trump's fault that Baltimore's fallen apart. Oh, okay. Yeah, that makes yeah. a lot right. of sense. Good. Okay, if we're you're good. an imbecile, uh-huh. that makes perfect sense. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. Now, you may say, well, Dan, you know, okay, the economy's struggling, median income's down since the Democrats have been in charge. Everything else is doing okay. Oh, no. No, no, no. Here are some more racists at Fox 45 Baltimore. Mm. Here's a piece they wrote. Uh, They're not racist. I'm just using liberals' own logic. Highlighting problems in Baltimore is clearly racist by the liberals' own rules. But here's a screenshot from a piece by Fox 45 Baltimore. Folks, you want to hear... Listen, hold on to your chair so you don't fall off when I read this. An alarming discovery by WBFF in Baltimore, Fox 45 News. An alarming discovery coming out of city schools. Project Baltimore analyzed 2017 state testing data and found, Joe, get ready for this. Mm-hmm. It won't be a surprise, but this is even worse than I thought. This education study found that one third of high schools in Baltimore last year, a third, mm-hmm. 33% for liberals, mm-hmm. had zero students proficient in math. Zero. How do you have zero students in a third of your schools proficient in math? By mistake. By error, you think you would have that one kid who would be proficient. No. Yeah. (laughs) Zero. You think it's now, now libs, especially to the media matters goons who listen to this show. I dare you, dare you to respond with what I know you're thinking. You, not us. I know what the problem is, Joe. The problem is big government, the lack of school choice, poor economy, and parents have nothing but the poor schools to send their kids to. They don't have a choice. Right. But what are the media matters liberals thinking about now? Oh, you know. Oh, it's those people. Oh, those, those, what, what do you mean? Can you describe, please? Those people. No, no, what, what do you mean, no, those people? Who are those people? Who are they? What are you suggesting? What? That there's something wrong for the, with the citizens of Baltimore? Because I was there, unlike most of the frauds talking about this, these hacks in the green room in the media, Trump's a racist for talking about Baltimore, who've never had a real job, never gotten their asses out of the green room ever and actually seen Baltimore. I went up to, I'm not even going to say the school because knowing how liberals are, they're probably like, boy, got it tomorrow. I went up to a charter school eh. in Baltimore City. And I walked around a successful charter school, very successful, where the kids were outperforming even some of the local Catholic schools. Most of the kids, Joe, were black and Hispanic. Shh, don't tell the liberals. The liberals think those people, those people can't do it. Those people, huh? Because they're the real racists. And you know what the administrator of the school? You know the school, Joe, by the way. I'm not going to I'm serious right. because I know how liberals are. They'll probably boycott it. I you gave Dan Bongino yeah. a tour five years ago because they're lunatics. You know what the administrator of the school said to me? I never, ever forgot it. Mm. We were walking around. And I was talking about how horrible it is that these kids and their families have no choice and how other kids in Baltimore are struggling. You know what? He, he looked at me and he said, Dan, it's the same kids. Huh. You know what he meant? Mm-hmm. These are the same kids. In other words, these are the same kids they took out of struggling schools. And the minute they put them in an educationally nutritious environment where these kids can scoop up the education calories and learn where there's discipline and teachers and and, and administrators that care and parents who can get them in there. These kids sucked it up like a sponge, this education. 
There's nothing wrong with those kids. They're the exact same kids in struggling Baltimore City public schools that the government of Baltimore and the liberals have driven into the ground through their education bureaucracy. You know what another guy said to me? He was an activist in Prince George's County, Mm. a largely black county in Maryland that's also struggling. You know what he said to me about the public education system? I never forgot this either. I'll leave his name out of it too. Mm -hmm. He'll probably get attacked by Antifa if I say who it is. But he's a prominent guy. And he was an ally of mine when I ran. He said, Dan, liberals don't look at education like an education program. I said, well, what do they view it as? As a jobs program. It's just the jobs program. They don't care about the kids. It's a jobs program. Those are his words to me. This was a liberal. Wow. Oh, we called Joe. We're definitely racist. Oh my God, oh. bringing up Baltimore problems. Oh my God, trying to help black families in inner cities. Oh, oh. my God, how oh, you guys are so racist. Oh my gosh, trying to give black and Hispanic minority families, white families, Asian families, whoever lives in Baltimore, but it has a very large black population. Trying to get jobs, income growth, tax rates down so they can keep their money. Trying to get their kids in school so they have a shot at the American dream. Oh my gosh, how racist. Listen, I'm only here, again, speaking to you in a coherent sentence because of my parents, my mother, getting us into a good Catholic school in New York where the local schools were dumps. It's the only reason. There were, ladies and gentlemen, for as much as I'd love to tell you I possess some magical superpowers, you know, Wolverine-like healing abilities, a, you know, a, a Tony Stark intellect. Mm-hmm. It's not true. I'm a hardworking guy who I read a lot. That's it. I have no special superpowers. The reason Joe and I and Paula are here Mm -hmm. are for some very simple sets of circumstances. We went to a decent school that gave us a decent education, and we worked hard in jobs that were available. Liberals have taken that away. There are no jobs. There are no educational opportunities. They have broken down black families. They did this. And Republicans, don't you dare, I can't say this enough, back away from this fight. Oh, we can't talk about this. These are largely blacks. No, 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 no. Nope. Nope. We're not going to get black votes. You better not talk about I don't care. This is the morally right thing to do. I don't care if we get one extra black vote out of this. It's the right thing to do. Inner city minority families deserve a shot at the exact same America you and I had a shot at. The exact same America. This two America stuff has to end. And liberals did this. And we need to bring the heat big time. I don't care what focus groups say. We're not going to get any votes there. I don't care. I've been talking out about this since I left the Secret Service because I couldn't, due to the hat jack, get into politics while I was there. The minute I got out, I made this my number one issue. And let me tell you something. I have a, you want to follow me on Twitter, I have a bunch of pictures of me in Baltimore walking around talking to people in Baltimore. This mattered to me. And to all the liberal idiots who watch your show and send me nasty grams, fine. I don't really care. I don't give a damn. I know what was in my heart, and I know why I did it. Do you know how many political consultants told me this is the dumbest thing you're ever doing sitting at Lexington Market shaking hands? Huh. That's in Baltimore City. Yeah. For the liberal commentators, by the way, who've never been to Baltimore. 
Joe knows exactly no, where it I is. I loved it. Yeah, I loved it. Used to take the boys there. Great food in there. Yeah, man. You're darn right. I used to sit there and shake hands. Not the only place, by the way. No. I was all over the city. There were pictures. I was there. And people used to tell me, you're wasting your time. Folks, I didn't care. It was the right thing to do. Some of those folks up in Lexington Market had never seen a Republican before. Republicans had never been there. That's true. That's true. I had great conversations up there. That's, I learned yeah. some more from the people in Baltimore than they'll ever learn from me. Joe, you know darn well, Maryland, even Maryland politicians never went there. No. Speaking of the safety issues, because they take the liberal right. approach to public safety, which is screw the cops at every opportunity. Here's Catherine Pugh, again, former mayor, who happens to be black, which only matters to the left, not to us, because everybody's a racist. Here's Mayor Catherine Pugh saying crime is, quote, out of control. Baltimore's son, Luke Broadwater, and Kevin Rector. Baltimore Mayor Pugh says crime is out of control, orders agencies to meet with police every morning. Clearly a racist, clearly, by their own standards. Yeah. Goes on. Greg Gutfeld, by the way, who I, who I co-host with the five sometimes when I'm when I'm guest hosting there. Mm. Greg Gutfeld had a terrific tweet about this this weekend. Here's Gutfeld's tweet about Trump being a racist for commenting about Baltimore. Trump's about to execute a white supremacist. They, it reinstituted the death penalty while trying to fl- free a black rapper from jail. Talking about ASAP Rocky as he pushes prison reform that directly benefits families of black men. While calling out a city where minorities are victim of crime and blight. If Trump's a racist, he really sucks at it. <laughs> Good one. Yeah. Best tweet. That thing's been retweeted <laughs> 44,000 times. Wow. If Trump's a racist, he really sucks at being a racist. Of course, Joe, they don't believe any of that. I know, Dan. Yeah. Let me put up one last article here. The rat film. Yes, there's a rat film about Baltimore. Covered by the Baltimore Sun, a film about the rats in Baltimore. Literally called the rat film documentary about Baltimore's rodent fight to air on PBS tonight. Chris Kaltenbach, Baltimore Sun, February 26, 2018. Clearly another racist covering the rat problem in Baltimore. He must be a racist, right? Oh, yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. You're only a racist when you're a Republican who tries to fix the Democrat mess they have imposed upon the good folks of these. And and, uh, listen, folks, listen, every single community has their troublemakers everywhere. I'm telling you, I was a cop in inner city New York in the 75th precinct in East New York and a federal agent in Baltimore and a candidate there. I have seen these problems up close and personal. I was the one knocking on doors at 530 in the morning, locking people up in Baltimore City for defrauding them. I had one of the biggest federal cases they had, the fraud case about a guy who was taking people's money for rental cars and never delivering the cars. He had defrauded thousands of people. I was the one in New York where people would tap me on the shoulder on the streets of Eastern New York by myself on a foot post. Hey, that guy's selling drugs in the corner. Don't tell anybody I said anything. These folks deserve better. The Democrats did this. It is their problem. And there is no, no better time other than now. This will be our finest hour as the GOP if we, if we highlight this and we don't dare let this go. 
It's not about the votes, folks. If votes come later, that's great. But the votes will be a side effect of us being on the morally right side of history. The folks in these cities deserve better. A lot better. All right. I got a lot to get to, including don't go anywhere. I've got video of Devin Nunes from this weekend that's illuminating. And the Democrats in an absolute panic over another personnel decision made by Donald Trump. In a panic. You're going to want to hear this. Don't go anywhere. All right. Today's show brought to you by our buddies at Lending Club. Hey, for decades, credit cards have been telling us buy now and pay later with interest. Despite your best intentions, that interest, as you know, gets out of control very fast. With Lending Club, you can consolidate your debt or pay off your credit cards with one, one fixed monthly payment. Since 2007, Lending Club has helped millions of people regain control of their finances with affordable fixed-rate personal loans. There's no trips to a bank. There's no high-interest credit card. Just go to LendingClub.com, tell them about yourself and how much you want to borrow. Pick the terms that are right for you, and if you're approved, your loan is automatically deposited into your bank account in as little as a few days. Lending Club is the number one peer-to-peer lending platform with over $35 billion in loans issued. It's super easy to use, folks. Check out Lending Club. Go to LendingClub.com slash Dan. That's LendingClub.com slash Dan. Check your rate in minutes. Borrow up to $40,000. One payment. Come on. Consolidate. You don't need to be paying all these these high-interest loans. That's LendingClub.com slash Dan. LendingClub.com slash Dan. All loans are made by WebBank. Member FDIC. Equal housing lender. Check them out. LendingClub.com slash Dan. Okay. um, Moving on. I'm sorry, folks. Again, it's kind of an, an emotional story for me because I just really feel like we have the greatest untapped resource in our country is America's inner cities. It's not oil. It's, it, it, it's not rare earth minerals. It's not our water supply. It's not. The greatest untapped resource is the untapped brain power, work power, skill, and the people in inner cities who have been left behind by awful liberal politicians who crap all over them every day and have zero accountability. Thank God President Trump brought this fight up. I relish it, and so should you. All right, moving on. Dems in a panic. Johnny Radcliffe, congressman from Texas, looks like he's going to be tapped to be the next director of national intelligence overseeing our 17 intelligence agencies. You'll see the story at foxnews.com. Mm. Have it up at the show notes. Dan Coates, to resi- good, he's awful, to resign as director of national intelligence. Trump selects Representative John Radcliffe as a replacement. Joe, the Democrats are in a panic. <laughs> Why? Well, first, let's kind of go into the panic, and I'll explain to you why. John Ratcliffe, Representative Ratcliffe, Congressman, is on the ball. He's the guy during last week's hearing with uh, Bob Mueller who nailed him to the wall on the exonerated standard. There is no legal standard to exonerate someone. They're either uh, you indict them or you don't. They're either guilty or not guilty. Joe, there is. is, uh, have you ever met someone, Joe, I've met yeah. a few people who've been arrested. I've yeah. met some people who've been to trial. Uh-huh. Have you ever met anyone who's been declared innocent? <laughs> oh, no. No. Oh, no. They've been declared not, not guilty. guilty. Or, yeah, there's no innocent <laughs> no. charge. There is no exoneration charge. No. Legally. Now, I titled my book Exonerate because in the court of public opinion, Trump's been exonerated a long time ago, and I love to troll the left. Uh-huh. But there is no legal standard for exoneration. Ratcliffe's the guy who nailed him to the wall. But that's not really why the Democrats are in a panic. Ratcliffe is now going to be overseeing, as the DNI, Director of National Intelligence, the 17 uh, intelligence agencies. And Ratcliffe appeared 
on Maria Bartiromo's show this weekend, and he brought up three points, which I just want to I want to point out to you, and this is why they're freaking out, and I'll show you their tweets in a second, why they're freaking out and what they said, including John Brennan and this uh, guy who pretends to be a reporter at NBC. Ratcliffe brought up, and he said the key word, Joe, which has the Democrats in a panic. On Maria Bartiromo's show, he said, crimes have been committed. Ah, during the Spygate scandal. That's very important. You bet. Now, you made that. That's not news to anybody here, folks. You know crimes have been committed. If you've been listening to the show, you're like, okay, Dan, what's the big bombshell? The big bombshell is the guy who's now going to be in charge of the intelligence apparatus in the country knows crimes have been committed. And he laid out three specific crimes. I'm sorry I'm not playing you the, the, the uh, video, but in audio, but it's just very long. Uh-huh. And I wanted to distill it down because I got a lot to get to. Number one, Ratcliffe pointed out to Maria Bartiromo, Joe, the leak of the phone call from Mike Flynn to the Russian ambassador containing sensitive national security information and unmasking information. Mm. That leak was a criminal act. That is an unquestioned crime. Mm-hmm. Mike Flynn, Donald Trump's national security advisor in the, and, and appointed one during the transition, Spoke with the Russian ambassador Kislyak. The contents of that call were leaked to the Washington Post. David Ignatius. That leak to the Washington Post, ladies and gentlemen, is an unquestionable crime. It was a crime. Ratcliffe knows this. Ratcliffe is now going to be digging through to figure out where that crime happened. And they are panicked. He was also a former uh, prosecutor for the government, so he knows his stuff. I cannot recommend a better pick than Ratcliffe. Second, another perjury crime was committed. Mm-hmm. How do we know that, Joe? Glenn Simpson, the head of Fusion GPS that put together the dirty dossier, under oath, told a, in a, said in a hearing up on the Hill, again, under oath, that he didn't meet Bruce Orr from the Department of Justice until after the election. Okay. What's the problem? Yeah. Oh, there's a big problem. There's a flag on the field. There's a flag on the field, folks. Bruce Orr, under oath, testified the exact opposite. Simpson, I met Bruce Orr after the election. Orr, that's funny. I met Simpson August 22nd of 2016. That's before the election, last oh, time I yeah. checked. Yeah, yeah. The election was November 8th. Somebody's lying. Forgive me, maybe he said October. Um, Simpson may have said October. Either way, it's not August. It's important. Someone's lying. One of them is lying and trying to hide the fact that they met August 22nd. Now, why, why do you think they're lying? Why do you think Simpson is lying? Well, it's very obvious. Simpson's lying about when he met Bruce Orr. Because the investigation supposedly didn't start till August, uh, uh, excuse me, until July 31st. What was Simpson doing meeting with these people later on? What was he doing? I mean, how quickly did they get going? What were they doing, the FBI, meeting with these people two weeks prior to the start of the investigation? In other words, they seemed to heat up really quick. Folks, they're all trying to delay and move back when these meetings happen. So it looks like it was a deliberate uh, way, you know, to, oh, well, we started the case. We opened it up. We transitioned from uh, an assessment to a preliminary to a full investigation. We covered it in my book, Spygate. Mm-hmm. We did it, and we did it gradually and deliberately. No, you didn't. You ramped this thing up absolutely stat the minute you could. You moved right to a full investigation with no evidence. Somebody's lying. What was the third crime committed? That Ratcliffe highlighted? 
the fact that Jim Comey leaked confidential documents to his media buddy to put out in the public space. Was there classified information in there? There's some conflicting accounts about exactly how much of that was classified. If it was, that was a crime too. They're in a panic. You don't believe me? Here's a tweet by Johnny Brennan. Johnny B, tyrant Johnny B, (laughs) hack Johnny Brennan, disgraced former CIA director. Dan Coates served ably and with deep integrity. Ratcliffe showed abject subservience to Trump and Mueller hearings. The women and men in the intelligence community deserve a leader like Coates, who puts nation first, not a servile Trump loyalist like Ratcliffe. Brennan's in a panic because he's a hack. Now, I'll get to in a moment while Brennan's in a, why Brennan's in a real panic. Devin Nunes kind of brought this up this week, and I'll play that video. It's short. But Brennan's in a panic because he's about to be exposed for the lying hack he is. Now, uh, Fusion Ken Delaney and at NBC, they call him Fusion Ken because this guy is one of the uh, the, the worst. Dela- He's not even a reporter. He claims to be. But Clen- Ken Delaney and at NBC, who was one of the lead promoters of the collusion hoax repeatedly. This guy's been discredited in six different ways from Sunday. Also had a tweet this weekend. Um, his tweet this weekend, he's in a panic too. Man, but remember, this guy was one of the lead collusion hoax, total conspiracy mm-hmm. theorists. Someone should put a tinfoil cap on this guy. He retweets John Ratcliffe, by one measure, the second most conservative member of Congress. Great. We love that. Uh, Appears to believe that the Russia investigation was cooked up by Democrats who committed crimes. He puts that in quotes. As if that didn't happen. Now Trump reportedly is considering placing him atop the U.S. intelligence community. Notice, this is hysterical. He puts committing crimes in quotes like that didn't, like there wasn't a leak of Flynn's phone call. That there isn't a discrepancy between Orr and Simpson's account of when they met. Under oath, by the way, and that there isn't a discrepancy between Comey leaking these memos and what the IC has said, what's classified or not. He, he talks about this as if this committed crimes, like if he puts air quotes on it, he could continue his propaganda. This guy's a joke. He's a total embarrassment. He's not a reporter. Uh, folks, he's not even like a two bit blogger out there. Listen, blogs are great. I've, I go to blogs all the time for information, but there is some awful ones. This, I don't even put him in that class. He is a Pravda-like propagandist who's been an embarrassment to this case from the beginning, continues to get destroyed by the facts, and when he does, he doubles down on stupid. They're in a panic because they know exactly what's about to happen. John Ratcliffe is going to dig through the layers of this onion in conjunction with Durham and Bill Barr, and your eyes are about to be open to what I'm about to get to, and Devin Nunes kind of previewed it this weekend. All right, I'll get to that in a second. It's our last sponsor of the day. It's a good one. Sponsored today by War Dragons. We love War Dragons. You like video games? You're going to love War Dragons. It's a 3D, real-time strategy video game right on your phone. They have over 150 different dragons to breed and collect in the game, each with a different attack style, ability, and class. For the month of July, War Dragons is partnering with StackUp, an organization dedicated to bringing military personnel, veterans, and civilian supporters together through a shared love of video gaming. War Dragons will match all donations made through the link in the game between July 4th through July 31st, up to a maximum of $10,000. Donors will also get an exclusive in-game portrait. Can't donate, but want to support StackUp's work? Breeding your dragons in-game can also help contribute an additional $10,000 donation by War Dragons. Download War Dragons, a really cool game. Visit podcast.wardragons.com slash Bongino podcast.wardragons.com slash Bongino on your phone or tablet for more details on how to participate. That's podcast. Uh, podcast. 
Wardragons.com slash Bongino. Folks, it's a really cool game. You can get into the fortification frenzy, strengthen your base. You can do this. You can do a breeding event using egg tokens to earn points and complete and compete globally with other guilds. Check it out. Podcast.wardragons.com slash Bongino. I love it. Really cool game. All right, folks. Uh, moving on. So Devin Nunes was on Maria Bartiromo's show again mm-hmm. this weekend, too. And here's a quick clip of what Nunes had to say about Johnny B and how he's in a little bit of trouble. Is it more likely that the CIA would it w- would integrate all of these international sources across the world or the FBI? CIA or FBI? In terms of getting all of these intel associates like the downers of the world and, and misfits of the world together. Well, as you know, we have uh, jurisdiction over both FBI and yeah. CIA and what they do overseas. Uh, We have lots of information of FBI people going overseas and doing things. We don't really have any information from from CIA. Uh, So far, they've they've really come clean. Uh, I would say the only one that has that has questions to answer uh, is John Brennan, because we now know that John Brennan briefed Harry Reid on the dossier in August of 2016. Uh, At the same time, he never briefed me uh, or or Paul Ryan, who was a speaker of the House at the time. Oh, boy. Okay. Devin Nunes on it again. Always cuts right to the chase. Ladies and gentlemen, Johnny Botts is in a world of trouble. Johnny Boom Botts. Let let me just put this in in, in kind of a visual audio format. It'll make more sense. What is the problem with John Brennan and his take on this? John Brennan has said multiple times, we played the video audio on the show, that he did not come across the dossier until December of 2016. After the election in November, obviously, Mm -hmm. ladies and gentlemen, that's a big problem because John Brennan briefed Harry Reid, as Devin Nunes just summed up in August of 2016, August, December, August, December, August happens to be before December for the liberals listening who can't figure that out. He briefed Harry Reid on items and intelligence bullet points and data points, Joe, that were only in the steel information Hmm. and the dossier. Now. Big hat tip to at John W. Huber on Twitter, Undercover Huber, who has a really great account. He had these screenshots. I'm going to put up one by one showing you how much trouble they're in. Here's the first one, which addresses the briefing situation that Nunes just talked about. Brennan has already said he gave the same brief to everybody in the Gang of Eight. Specifically, Senators Harry Reid, Mitch McConnell, Feinstein Burr, Representative Paul Ryan... Pelosi, Devin Nunes, and Adam Schiff between August 11th and September September 6th. Let me, let me quote Brennan. I provided the same briefing to each gang of eight member. Notice what he just said, Joseph. My, my, my. Johnny B. Same briefing. Same one to Nunes. Same one to Ryan. Nunes says, I wasn't briefed. Joe, you think Nunes would know? You think Nunes knows if Nunes was briefed? Yeah. Just asking. I, I think so. Probably. Thank you. Yeah. Thank, yeah. Brilliant insight. Thank oh, thanks, Dan. Thanks. <laughs> Nunes would know. Cool. I'm just <laughs> messing with you. know I love <laughs> you. But, but Nunes would know if Nunes was briefed. I don't know how else to answer other than to be stupid about it because this is so dumb. <laughs> so just to be clear, Johnny B, with information in the dossier from Steele, alleges he went up to Capitol Hill and briefed the Gang of Eight I gave them all the same briefing. Nunes is saying, well, that's not true. Well, why would he give different briefings to different people, Joe? Maybe because 
the information he had in the dossier about Carter Page taking bribes from Russians mm. to help out the Trump campaign was such colossal BS that if he briefed anybody else on it and told them about the information, they would call him out. Well, Joe, maybe someone did call him out and he mm -hmm. got nervous, and that's why he didn't brief subsequently Ryan and Nunes. Who would have called him out? Hat tip again, mm. undercover Huber. Here's a, a, his commentary from a brief Johnny Brennan gave to Mitch McConnell. Sounds kind of like cocaine Mitch called him out a little bit. Check this out. This is Brennan in an interview with Chuck Todd. He says, hey, were they questioning you? Chuck Todd's asking Brennan. He says, yes, yeah, Senator McConnell did. Chuck Dodd says, under what guise? Brennan says, I think he thought that maybe the Democrat administration was trying to undermine a Republican candidate. And I took great umbrage, Joe, at that. Oh, and yeah. I told him. I said, Senator McConnell, I would not in any way politicize any type of intelligence. So I want to make sure you understand that this is the considered view and assessment of the intelligence community at the CIA. And so I let it be known that under no uncertain terms that I did find that comment of his a bit repugnant. Jeez, dude. You read, folks, you picking up what I'm putting down here? <laughs> yeah, man. So Johnny Boombots goes up to the hill with this garbage information, right? He briefs Harry Reid on it. Harry Reid's like, like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Thanks, buddy. <laughs> this is great. This is awesome. Carter Page took an $87 billion bribe from a guy. I'm exaggerating, <laughs> but you get the point. To, to run it for me. This sounds great. Nobody, nobody bothers to go, wait, wait, you're suggesting to me that a guy working for the Trump team now took a bribe worth nearly a billion dollars and nobody noticed? He hasn't been arrested, right? So McConnell starts asking Brendan questions. Brendan's like, this is repugnant. <laughs> probably slams his fist on the repugnant questioning. What probably happened after that? Brendan probably calls back to CA and goes, hey guys, we got to change this brief quick. McConnell's already calling BS on us. He never gives that briefing to Ryan and Nunes, the same one. He probably gives them a different one. Ah. Now, who follows up and now pushes the FBI after this August briefing, right around the time, by the way, see how this is all going to tie together, mm -hmm. of the August 22nd briefing between GOJ's Bruce Orr and Glenn Simpson from Fusion GPS. This is all happening at the same time. Who's poking and prodding in an information overload? It's coming from every direction now. Bruce Orr, Christopher Steele, Fusion, the State Department. Who's hammers the FBI to say, you better get this criminal case started on the Trump team? Oh, let's go to screenshot number three, hat tip undercover Huber. This is the letter Harry Reid writes to the FBI. You'll see in the middle, he starts talking about this Trump team that has conflicts of interest due to investments in Russian energy conglomerate Gazprom, who met with high-ranking sanctioned individuals while in Moscow well after Trump became the, Repub the presumptive Republican nominee. Any such meetings, he's talking about the Carter Page meetings, should be investigated and made a part of the public record. Oh! <gasps> What is he talking about? Gazprom, Trump people meeting with Gazprom. Oh, he's talking about Carter Page and the allegations in the dossier that he took a nearly billion dollar bribe from a Russian gas company to basically be the conduit between the Russians and Trump, a charge that has been entirely, completely, one million percent discredited. Discredited. It was made up. It was invented out of, out of cloth. It was just... It's fake. I don't know any other way to tell you. It's not real. It never happened. So how did Harry Reid get it? He got it from Johnny B, who got it from Steele and the dossier, which he says he didn't see till December.
Well, he may not have seen a physical dossier, but he was sure as hell talking to someone who was talking to Christopher Steele before that. As always, Nunes and Ratcliffe distill it down. So the two takeaways from that on the Ratcliffe front, crimes were committed. Or according to liberal fake uh, reporter Ken Delanian, air quotes crimes, because he obviously has no experience even in basic reading of the legal facts around the case. Uh, he's not that bright. Mm. Um, and they're afraid Ratcliffe is going to start looking into actual crimes. And on the Nunes front, Johnny B is in a world of trouble because clearly him saying he didn't see the dossier until December. Mm-hmm was a lie or at least a curveball. He was clearly dealing with someone in fusion GPS and getting their information. Why? Because he told Harry Reid in August who was dumb enough to put it down in writing. The dossier. Idiots. I always say this, the spy gates, a spy story for morons. It really is. These are some of the dumbest people I have ever met that they documented. This whole thing in writing is hysterical hysterical i really i get a kick out of it sometimes i laugh about how dumb all of these people were and the media people like uh collusion hoaxer delanian who continue to promote the hoax knowing they will history is going to openly laugh and mock them it's just great it's just great they are going to be so embarrassed if they're even capable of that all right listen i gotta move on because this is important um great p- <laughs> I was going to say something else. I was kind of stewing on something. I'm like, I better not. Because there's this interesting article about, you know what? Let me just get to it. We're going to put it out of place. Sorry, Paul. I'm messing with the show. But there's this interesting piece I saw this weekend. I will get to what I was going to talk about in a second. Andy McCarthy. It's good stuff. But about how Siri, how it activates on your phone yeah. accidentally and how it may... um it may be recording you if it activates accidentally. And, and one of the things is it may be re- recording people in moments they don't want to be recorded, if you know what I mean. So I was thinking like, oh yeah, after that Duke Cannon read, I hope I didn't accidentally activate Siri like on date night. That would be really horrible. Can you... <laughs> Here's the piece in The Guardian. Apple contractors regularly hear confidential details on Siri recordings. Ooh. Nah, nah. <laughs> This ain't getting gonna it. let that one go. No. <laughs> I'm just gonna let that one. I'm next time I'm turning my phone off completely. Yeah. As a matter of fact, I, I I think I'm gonna put it in this safe wrapped in a soundproof container with lead and maybe some kryptonite, just to be sure <laughs> serious <laughs> radio silence. <laughs> okay, moving on to more serious topics. Andy McCarthy wrote a terrific piece. It's a two-parter in National Review. I'll have it up at the show notes today. Uh, part number one is fantastic. The Mueller Report's fundamental dodge. I'm going to sum this up for you in about hopefully five minutes or less because it's very important what, what he's talking about, what happened with Mueller last week and the scam they're trying to put together with these OLC guidelines. Folks, this is a trick. It was a trick from the start. It's always been a trick. <laughs> The essence of it is this. As I've been discussing, Mueller wants to nail Trump to the wall with his team. What they did is they put together this report, which writes like an op-ed. It's not a serious legal document. It leaves out a bunch of exculpatory information. They always knew this would leak, but they never intended on charging Donald Trump with any crimes or suggesting he be charged with crimes when he leaves office. Why, Joe? Because it was a non-prosecutable garbage Mm. case with no evidence. They weren't going to win that case ever. 
You will be clear on that, folks. Eh. Mueller did not charge Trump for one reason. There was no crime to charge. Right. He can tell you whatever he wants. It's a lie. That's the real reason. McCarthy's piece, the two-part piece, digs into the dirty details from his professional legal experience about why he thinks they use the OLC guidelines as an excuse. Now, keeping in mind the whole time, Mueller didn't charge Trump because there was nothing to charge. Mueller did not want to say that, so Mueller and his team had to find a reason to attack Trump. So what did they do? They hint in the piece in the Mueller report that one of the reasons they didn't do it, and they've come out publicly and said this repeatedly, is because of the OLC guidelines, Office of Legal Counsel guidelines, which mm -hmm. say you can't indict a sitting president. Ladies and gentlemen, Andy McCarthy decimates this. He has a couple of takeaways. Takeaway number one is this. The OLC guidelines, show don't say, listen to me, folks, this is very important. They do not say you cannot indict a president. They don't. Okay. They say, sure they do, Dan. No, no, that is not what they say. They say you cannot indict a sitting president. Right. When that president leaves office, you can indict away. So as McCarthy excellently points out, this is not an issue of yes or no, indict or not indict. It's an issue of timing. If Mueller thought he had a crime against the president, lay out the case for indictment, let them impeach the president, and then go and indict him when he's out of office. Why did they not do that, Joe? Refer back to Dan, takeaway number one. There it is. Because there was not a prosecutable case. Uh -huh. There was no crime. Mueller's team was not stupid. They know that. So they don't want to say, Joe, we're not going to indict the president because there's no evidence he committed a crime or not an evidence enough to meet this hurdle. They don't want to say that. So what do they do? They hint in a bunch of press conferences that, well, we were restricted from making a decision because of these OLC guidelines. Not true. Matter of fact, Mueller's mandate specifically requests that he make a prosecutorial decision. Mueller is not, he's not, he's not being authentic there. But what really happened behind the scenes? Well, McCarthy lays this out beautifully. Mueller's team knows if they suggest an indictment of the president, there's going to be a long legal fight about when that's possible and if there's a prosecutable case and he knows he's going to lose, so they don't do it. Mm -hmm. Mueller also knows he can't clear the president and say we're not going to indict because then it'll look like the president is not guilty. And they don't want that either because Mueller's job is to destroy the presidency. So what do they do, Joe? They make up this unique interpretation of the OLC guidelines and they say, well, Joe, follow me here. And if I lose you, please stop okay. me as the audience ombudsman. They say, Joe, well, it would be unfair to recommend an indictment in the report because, you know, the report, it's the president can't be indicted right now until he leaves office yeah. and he wouldn't have any of the legal avenues to defend himself because there wouldn't be an indictment right away. Right. He wouldn't right. be right. able to go to court and clear his name. So what we're going to do is we're just not going to make a decision. OK, how does that sound? And by the way, <laughs> the reports, Joe, winking or not, the reports confidential so all this negative stuff we write and there's only going to be seen by a select few bunch of people you get it yeah, you get what they're man. doing oh, here this yeah, is very yeah. very clever yes they it know is. bar and the american public are going to say wait 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 let me get this straight these olc guidelines do not prevent you from stating the president should be indicted at least when he leaves mm -hmm. And matter of fact, your mandate says you have to make a decision, indict or not, or to prosecute or not. Mm -hmm. You have to lay out your reasoning, and you've done none of that. Why? 
Well, well, we were just protecting the president. Yeah. Yeah, I got it. What were they really doing, Joe? They were quietly, because they're saying he wouldn't have the ability to defend himself in court. Oh, of course. Genius. Sick and genius at the same time. Because if the report remained confidential, Joe, that would be right. Mm. They would be right. If nobody saw the report and the Mueller op-ed, they would be absolutely correct. Here's what we found. Of course, they lay out the, they leave out the exculpatory stuff, but nobody's going to see it but you. You guys make the impeachment case and do whatever. But we're not going to release this to the media. But that's not what they did, Joe. All right. The special counsel behind the scenes engaged in strategic leaks and pushed for the release of the report immediately after Bill Barr released his summary, knowing what? That the exact same reason they gave for mm-hmm. not making a decision, well, the president can't defend himself, was the exact reason they released or pushed for the releasing of the report right. because the president can't, can't defend, defend himself, himself. Yeah, against right. the report right. that's now public. Right. He can't issue the Trump report. He's not an attorney. Joe, that made sense. Paula, did yeah, that make yeah. sense? Yeah, that was good. Yeah. The OLC guidelines were always an excuse for them not to make a judgment, but to write an impeachment guideline for Congress knowing it would leak. Mm-hmm. Yeah. While simultaneously saying, we only did this because we were protecting the president. Otherwise, we, you know, we could have considered charging him, but we didn't because we were protecting him. They had no case. Read the McCarthy yeah. piece. It is a genius piece of work. But he's absolutely right. Yeah. Nailed them to the wall. They're like professional well poisoners, you know? (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Horrendous. All right, folks. I still haven't gotten to Trump's big win on Friday. I'll get to that tomorrow. But just quickly, in a nutshell, Trump did win. They can reallocate money now to the border. The wall will be built down at the border, at least portions of it. And I also want to get into some of that tomorrow with the Supreme Court getting out there in front of these injunctions. I hope you like the show today. Stay on this Baltimore case, folks. It's worth our time. I'll see you all tomorrow. Thanks for tuning in. You just heard the Dan Bongino Show. You can also get Dan's podcasts on iTunes or SoundCloud. And follow Dan on Twitter 24-7 at DBongino.